You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi everybody, I'm with uh, Deborah Hatswell and we're, we've got your questions on Facebook and on the YouTube. So let's go through them now. The first question is from Ben Walgate. Hi Ben, from the 401 Files. And that is, I'm interested in how they remain so well hidden. <laughs> Why they are so elusive. Got, yeah, how long have you got? In all honesty, most of these questions are going to be incredibly hard to answer because I'm not the oracle as most people think I am. But I'm going to do my best to answer them. And if I can't answer them... I will get hold of somebody that can and I will get back to you with the answer as quickly as I can. How do they remain elusive? Um, First of all, I don't think anybody's looking for them. Um, So we have that. There's not anybody actually out there other than the researchers looking for them. And I think we think with a 2018 mind, don't we? We don't think as we would do as a Stone Age man say. And I am not saying that Bigfoot is a Stone Age man. I am saying, try and put yourself into that mindset. Where to survive, you would have to be able to blend in with your surroundings and you would move at times, I would imagine at dusk and dawn maybe, when there aren't so many people about. I don't think that when we say, oh, we found a Bigfoot structure and it's a Bigfoot den, that's ridiculous. Because why would it be out on a path? where you could see it, you'd be hunkered down somewhere where you could probably see people coming from quite far off and you would have a back entrance so that you could remove yourself from that entrance. We did that and many of the large apes do that, you know. You you, you put yourself in an area where you know that you're not going to be disturbed. Yeah, and and also I think that... I, it's never left me really what Jason Parsons said to me about them being... It's life is different. We can't really grasp yeah, exactly. what's going on in, in, in their minds because it's life and death for them, isn't it? Exactly. And that, it sort of really resonated. When he said that, I thought, do you know what? It, we can't actually understand that. We're, we don't have to live like that, mm. you know. And it's just also from our, eye, our eyesight perspective. We don't need those skills that we had centuries ago. Exactly. Our eyesight is actually... Very, very poor. Yeah, it is. So we're not looking for them in the first place. Our eyesight is absolutely, you know, it's dreadful in that regard. Like you said, they're already, <laughs> they know the patterns of the wood. Yeah. They know the behaviours of the animals in that wood. Mm. They know when we're coming, exactly. like you've said before about smells, haven't you? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, their senses are so much greater than ours. To, to stay alive. Yeah, to stay alive. 
we would have been the same, I think. I th um, somebody asked me about caves and it was a similar thing and I thought that's what we did back then. We found a cave and we went into a cave and that represents safety to us. Um, and other tribes or other clans would be seen as kind of a threat. So we would make sure there was nothing on the ground that they could find us from. Um, the, the army call that ground truth. They will remove themselves from an area and not leave any sign whatsoever that they have been there. And we humans can do that if we are trained to a level where we can do that, that we can be in an area without leaving any sign behind. Well, if you live like that from being from the day you open your eyes and that's all you ever knew, to them that's just a natural, what we see as an ability or something maybe shape-shifting or banishing, it's you are a master of your own environment and they are a master of theirs. And we're trying to understand that with a mind that's 2,000 years older. Yeah, and for the majority of that time as well, where people, I mean, I think Ben's getting that why aren't they seen more often? Well, one, we know the scene because we've got the accounts. But I think what he's getting at in general, why aren't they seen more? They have to be there to be seen. Mm. And for the majority of that time, they're not there. They know we're going to be there. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean that, that's why I've got this, I keep banging on about getting into these remote places. Because, one, they know no one's around. And the, and the, and the people that are around, they're familiar with. And we already know there's a, at least one habituation site yeah. in Britain. And they know that they're not being bothered doing what they're doing. Mm. They're interacting to a degree. So they know how safe they are. They've been doing this a very long time and they know how far to, to push things. Mm -hmm. and, and they certainly know areas to avoid. Yeah, if we, if we, I use the analysis that there are actually soldiers living out there. There are a lot of serving soldiers mm, that have come back yeah. and they have just had enough of this society of ours and they've moved out into the woods and live quite happily without being seen. And they feed themselves daily. They have enough water. We don't see them. We don't know what they do. Because they're trained. Their minds are different to ours. They're not the same. It's not about survival to us. It's a hobby. It's a subject. It's <laughs> something you enjoy. Yeah. To them, it's about survival. And you need, for a sighting, you need a witness and the thing that they're sighting. So already you're 50% not going to see them if you're not in that area, okay? So in the habituations, what we are noticing is there are seasonal patterns. So yeah. we do know that they're moving with the food maybe or that they're moving with the seasons. And I think by identifying these patterns, it's not going to guarantee that we're going to see one, but it's going to maybe increase your odds is, is the way I'm looking at it. But we'd have to, you'd have to go in and you'd have to be in there a while and you'd have to use, lose your human smell and you'd probably have to get as primal as you've ever been in your life to try and tap into that. And there's not that many people that are prepared to do that. No, you know? that's, that's the thing in this country, nobody's doing that. No, there aren't. And I, yeah. I, I think it is alien to us when we hear about the, the American researchers that have done that. That sounds it sounds so unbelievable mm -hmm. that because we can't get we can't put our minds into that we can't get ourselves into yeah. that position and imagine ever being like that. Mm -hmm. So I mean, a lot of this, yeah, is is a stretch of the imagination. The whole thing is a stretch so, of the imagination. Yeah, it is. It is. But the, that that simple question, which is everybody's question, why are we not seeing them? We are seeing. We them. are seeing yeah. them, but the, you know, 
more often than not we don't because they're just they're just aware of where we are when we're there <laughs> and we've said it before it's as simple as two steps back in the bush yeah. i know we that that's a really simple answer isn't it yeah and it's the simple answers are where the where the answers lie you can go two feet back in a bush and not be seen absolutely and even a wild camper commented on on uh it wasn't someone i know but I can't remember his name now, but he, he commented as to say, well, I haven't seen them. We've had climbers, remember? Yeah. The climber commented, well, I've never seen them. Mm. To see them, you have to be looking. Yeah, but were you aware of the subjects at the time? And if you're looking, they probably know you're looking. So there's all that to consider. And you've, yeah. you've also got, not everybody sees them and thinks they've seen a Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there. there's the ghost. I saw a ghost, I saw a gin, I saw a very fast, quick running upright hairy man well what did you think it was i think it was a ghost well why did you think it was a ghost well what else could it be yeah so they're not all they're not all getting reported as bigfoots nobody uses the word bigfoot when when they you know when they contact me they don't say debbie i've seen a bigfoot they say i've seen this really big broad muscular dark all one color shape and i don't know what it is i don't know what to call it i don't know where i'm supposed to report it so you've got all of that you, you know, people who do you can't one oh one Bigfoot. There's nobody out there. Well, that's a good point. That's yeah. A good point. You, why are people seeing them more? I think they are, but there's <laughs> nobody to report them to. Go on and tell your wife or Do you phone the mates? police and tell the police that you've seen an eight foot tall, hairy naked man <laughs> in the woods? Are they gonna come out and investigate? <laughs> no, they're not. You can't go to a newspaper. You won't be taken seriously. No. Many of the sites that are set up for you to report at, you have to fit within the parameter. Yeah. And if you don't fit within that parameter, there's no point you making that report. So unless there are more people like me and you and Ben and Stu and Guy and all the guys out there that are taking these reports, you're getting reports that come to you. I'm getting reports that come to me. I'm sure Ben is as well. Um, this is You've watched how it's happened over the last two years. Right. People contact you and that leads to another witness, which leads to another situation, which leads to another witness. They are being reported and they are being seen is is the simple answer. But they're not going to just come because we want them to. There's no, you know, there's no point. That's true. Yeah, it's not about us, is it? It's not about what we want. They have more to lose from showing themselves to you than you ever do. All you have is a game. You have seen it. I've got the video, I've got the photograph. That could be death for them. Mm. There are researchers that have moved them from areas. They've got incredibly close to the point where they're having things thrown at them. You know, that's to me saying you're coming too close. You know, you passed all the signs and you're now too close. And that area has gone quiet. And they, well, why has it not been quiet all the time if they weren't there originally? You've clearly kind of overstepped the mark a little bit. Not only probably just not realising, you know, we humans, we don't realise these signs and uh, these little things. And we kind of overset the mark a little bit and that moves them on to another area. And then, so that is must be a massive thing. And I also think they're not all in one area at one time. I think that's a miss. Particularly, yeah, I definitely get, if looking at the details of the sightings, that's spot on. Yeah, yeah they're, not, they're not just sat in a camp somewhere consistently. 52 weeks of a year. A, they would, they'd run out of food. Within about four to five weeks, your area would deplete of resources. And in the UK, not all the berries come together. They're not all there on the first week of March. It's a, from the south to the north, it's a different... I can have... My berries are gone. 
Yet Guy in the South, he's, yeah. they're still in the bushes, it's like summer for him. Climate, yeah. Why Would you not follow that? If you if you were a blood, we're not saying you are, if you were a flesh and blood animal, would you not follow the food to keep, so that you've always got food? You would. Can, we did as early man. Yeah. We had foraging routes that we used year in, year out. We didn't ever stayed in one place for 52 weeks of the year. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because it's not... A, you would be seen. You would be noticed. Yeah. B, you'd run out of food. And yeah, I just think you would have to continuously be on the move. So we'd have to think of them having kind of, say, they might need a resource from a certain wood that they can't get in, in some of the deeper areas. So they might come out for that resource when it's available for those four or five weeks and go back in. So what we're doing, and there is a, a guy working on it, Toby Lancaster, is going to run the numbers on the, the sightings and work out if there is a seasonal pattern. If there is a yearly pattern, because we say between about middle of October, November to around about now, it goes quiet and the, the no sightings come in. The research, researchers areas go quiet. Around about a fortnight's time, we will start getting reports. There's new sign in the woods. Yeah. We're seeing things in the woods. But I don't think they're living in the small woods. I think people think I think that. I think they visit them. And they visit them for maybe a medicine, a food source that they need, something that's available around that time. So structures are great, but start learning your foodstuffs because learning your foodstuffs might get you there a bit quicker than learning your... your Because we cannot 100% on structure, are we? That will come in another Uh, question. Yeah, that's a whole other question. We see it as a kind of a hint, maybe. And the way that happened for me was because I'm on my own here in the UK 20 years ago, right? So I'm on my own and I'm thinking, I'm getting these questions where they're saying to me, well, there can't be a Bigfoot there because you're not getting the same evidence as us. So I then got to go through the evidence that they have in America and try to match it up. So I'm looking, am I finding structures? Can I find footprints? So I've had to do that and I've had to condense it, yeah, into a very small thing where I can say, these are probably what you're looking at. That's just my way of saying, this is what I found, right? So you go out and look for yourself and see if you can find it. We can't say it's Bigfoot until we see him make one. No. 
right? We can't see its language assigned until we we actually sit down and discuss that. But we can use it to give us a clue at maybe what kind of areas they're using. If the Americans are saying to us, we're finding these large X's and we think that these large X's are camp, we can take that on board. We can say, right, well, that maybe is a hint, but it's not gospel, is it? Well, not because you're dealing with a totally different environment. And then Alison, you have people like Alison, where she thinks, right, well, I will try and work on this theory. I will map all of the X's in my area and I'll get an aerial map and I will put them on in a GPS and I'll see if any pattern forms. And she was able to make a, like a square almost of a room. So that's strange and we have to look at that as strange and we think, well, that's kind of... But what we need to do now is we need to look at that in other woods. Yeah, it needs to be... A, that's what we were saying yesterday. It needs to be a, a, an effort across the board with more researchers in every part of Britain. Yeah. To, to to definitively say this is inter- you know this yeah. is evidence we it needs to be just i can bring you stuff all day long and you can but as one person it, it, my i would be jaded i would be more biased to it being a bigfoot and a skeptical person would be more biased to it not so we need other people new eyes new brains that are involved answering these questions why are they remaining elusive can you remain elusive can you go out for 48 hours in the woods, whether you take your camp, your tent or not, and not see a human? Cross that one off your list first. And if you can do that, then it is physically possible for somebody to hide from you Definitely. for a number of hours. I think that's how we're going to answer these frequently asked questions. We're going to do the groundwork, do the ground truth, put the effort in and see. And if it all falls on its backside in 12 months, I'll be the first one to say... I got it wrong. Yeah. I was wrong because we are going to be wrong. We are going to get things wrong. That that's that's what we're supposed to do, you know, and that's how we'll learn and we'll go forward. There's a lot of young guys now that are interested and they they're the ones that we need, I think. I think that's what'll move us well. When I say guys, I'm generalizing. Yeah. Just you, yeah. I mean and, and having a, a the gender sort of balance as well is probably important as well. If you you know coming the stuff coming from America, apparently that's that's quite important. Yeah. That having just if you've just got a bunch of male, male egos, yeah. you know, yeah. wandering into the, these areas with cameras. I mean, they might not know the cameras. They may presume yeah. they're a weapon or something. Who knows? I don't know. A male in itself is quite threatening. I think. Yeah. To yeah. another male, oh, it's different oh, right. for for a girl. It's um, we're seen as less less threatening. We don't have the physical bulk. We don't have... We're no threat, really, to, to anybody. Where a human male maybe could be. And also, yeah, because if you look at animals, for example, they react different right. to, to, to people in general. Mm. And I know we're, this is, we might be getting a little bit into woo, but looking at just general zoology, that, that's, a, that's a genuine statement to me. You know, that's yeah. a, you know, we all... Certain animals react differently to, to different people. And we have to go down the way... The woo has to be examined. Definitely. There yeah. is no more of this saying, it is only flesh and blood, it is only this. Yeah. They're just opinions. Yeah. They're the theories, they conjecture, they're opinions. We have to try everything. So we don't, in the UK, I don't know what it's like in other countries, but in the UK we don't say, we're not listening to that, we're not listening to this, we're not looking at this. That's half a jigsaw we know box. That's useless, that'll get us nowhere. We will be running around for 60, 70 years doing the same thing. We work out what we think, 
we put that into action and we either cross it off or we carry on going with it. Yeah. Um, and we just kind of move it forward. I think that's the way. But I getting back to why are they elusive and why would they remain elusive? We're not leaving them much choice. You know, <laughs> we're not really leaving them much choice, are we? We're moving to more and more land all the time. More and more of us are out there and the sightings will come in. They will continue to come in. If they were that elusive, there would never be a sighting. And also, just to throw this on the end, they, imagine having a, a ghillie suit, for example. Yeah. We've not, we didn't talk about camouflage. Yeah, exactly that. We yeah. know that, that, that they use camouflage. And I mean, they, one, they camouflage naturally. Yeah, I was just going to say that. And, yeah. and two, they've been known to use grasses. The Bartry Green Man, yeah. for example. That was in, um, would have been around about the 80s, the Bartry Green Man. Very similar situation to mine. Did you say Bartry Green Man? Bartry. B-U-W-T-R-Y. It's near Doncaster. It's an area like this where there's a sewage and there's vast amounts of fields and, you know, kind of edge of the town. Um, And she's with a friend. She's 14 or 15. She's playing with a friend and she sees down within the bushes below a base. And this space is kind of green and it's using the trees and the leaves to mask, like your classic green man. Yeah. But apish, male, human, apish. Like tribes do. Exactly. And as she went to walk towards it, he just moved his head. He didn't run at her, he didn't throw anything at her, he didn't try and attack her. He just kind of moved his head as if to say, you stay there and I'll stay here. <laughs> and she said she didn't feel a bit frightened. A friend was frightened and a friend ran off. And she said, I ran really just because my friend had run. But I was really interested. And, I, I, you know, I would wish now that I'd have... And she said he was using the trees and the leaves and the, the grass to hide his face. The classic woodwoose, you know, green man picture. Yeah. Similar for me, really. It was the same kind of yeah, thing. Absolutely. So, it, we were similar distance. And I'm lay on the floor here. And, like, you'd stand up in your normal height. We're only that distance apart. When I'm looking at him like I'm looking at you now, you know, it's that, it's split second, done. You don't get a photograph, they don't hand you a frequently asked question sheet, you know. All you have is that snapshot of time. Yeah. And then you try and answer a million questions about that snapshot. Your own and, and ones that other people put to you. And I'm not the type of person like, oh, and you are not, that would say, well, I'll just accept what somebody tells me. No. You know, you, you want to know for yourself, don't you? you want to answer these questions for yourself. I, I want to answer those questions. And that's the purpose of, of these little vlogs and these mm-hmm. question and answer sessions is to just give a little bit of information or give what little you know. I mean, each, of we said before, each of these questions you can talk about till yeah. the cows come home because there's so many different elements that you can get into. Uh, and with that in mind, let's move on to the next question. So I guess we'll, we'll try and answer the bones and, and, and archaeology question. Why, why are we not finding bones? And I guess, where did he sleep? And all that sort of, mm-hmm. uh, that type of question sort of fit in the same box. And I, I was reading something last week about uh, fossils and stuff like that. So for a start, fossils need certain conditions, yes. don't they? Yeah. So finding an actual fossil of, of yeah. is very rare, I believe. It, it, it really does depend on the environment and, and, and the climate and everything else needs to be damp, doesn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of elements to that. Again, we're not archaeologists for a start, or we're not ge- geologists, so mm-hmm. sort of answering that, going... I mean, you could study it, and this is the purpose. If someone someone in the team needs to do yeah. that, or, or, or we hope to attract... Someone with that skill set is what we need, yeah, that can answer these questions, can say to us, 
Like, yeah, there are missing fossils in... Why are they not in the fossil history? There are lots of hominids that are not in the fossil history. Exactly. Um, and we haven't dug up every single bit of Britain yet and looked, have we? You know? Yeah. So there might be fossils down there that we haven't found yeah. yet. But I have a tiny knowledge of this. This is not my field of expertise. Charmaine Fraser is the one that can answer yeah. these questions better for us. So I think what I need to do is get older Charmaine, sorry, Champagne, get older Charmaine and get her to explain it to me in a dumbed down version, you know, because she understands the fossil record. But you're right, not all bone survives. It depends on the, the substrate that it's in, um, the conditions that it is in, when it, whether it mummifies, whether it, you know, um, kind of, you have a wax and everything, substance, Alison explained to me, around the bone and things like that. Some graves can take decades for the body to decay in one area, and in another area it could be two months. Yeah. It just dep- I think that depends on it. Um, I don't think anybody's looking either. The giant bones. Is there anybody actually? Well, are they giant? That's another thing. Yeah, are, 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 are they yeah. giant? Uh, what if they find in a male that's six and a half foot tall? No different to, to, to you or Mark. Well, let's just say, you know, let's just. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The homeless guy, or it's just, you know, it's just a John Doe, or whatever. That, we, we might be missing. I'm not saying we are. I'm saying that these, these the thought that we could be maybe missing. What if they bury them? What if they hide them below trees? What if they take them down into the cabins? We'd have to answer those questions to be able to work out where first to go and look for these. And bodies. again, what we're presenting is a, is a plausible reasons as well. It's mm. not like the, what we're saying is not plausible because a lot of why we're not finding skeletons and bones is that surely you have to look at the number. We yeah. don't know how many animals, creatures, Bigfoot we're dealing we don't know how many we're dealing with. No, so that alt, that massively alters the way you answer that question. Well, and also I think really if you if you take it down to its most simple the simple principles of it is this we're looking at a very very rare animal yeah exactly or we guess we're assuming we are mm-hmm. so finding uh, bones and skeleton is is it's going to be next to impossible really it's going to be very difficult 
It's, it's beyond difficult. It's um, it, we haven't found one in America, and they've been looking for sixty, seventy years now. Yeah, because you not only are a leaving a body out. Well, you, that's it. You've been found. You've left a body out. It's been found. I also think that maybe there have been the odd bodies been found, and people have said it. No one's believed them anyway. You know, it's been looked over. It's been brushed over. It's not. There's no point. It's talking about. It's ridiculous. Can't it can't be happening. That might have happened, and we just don't. If you look at if you if you believe. Uh, those accounts. I mean, there's a lot of them. There's yeah. a lot of them where they've shot them by accident or they've run them over with a truck. Yeah, we uh, we hear about all this going on, don't we? We don't know that that's not that's not happened in the UK. Well, the thing is, the, the skeptics want to hear that happening here. Why is why has no one run one over? Then when they hear it, someone's run one over, they don't believe it. Well, it'd be a setup. Yeah, you you setup. put him there. Yeah. I could get one now and bring him here and sit him in front of this camera. And get him to speak to this camera and tell you all about his life from the day he was born to now, and you would people would still accuse me of poaxing. Yeah. There is no, if you believe, you don't need proof. If you don't believe, there's no amount in proof in the world that's going to change your opinion yeah. because you already don't believe. So we have to engage with skeptics, but we don't have to bow down before them. We have to answer the questions that they give us because we have those questions ourselves. Sure, I mean, like I said in my in my vlogs, they 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 state these things like when we haven't even. Yeah, exactly. That's the point I was just going to make. You know, we don't come forward with these thoughts that we just wake up that morning and decide them. There's so much research that's gone on in the background. Yeah. You know, people doing it themselves. And they might not be on YouTube. You might not have heard of them, but they're out there and they're doing it. And it. They tend to ask us questions that are cherry-picked. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah. Because it, it, it bolsters the case, you know? So I never say... People will tell me all the time that I didn't see what I saw. Well, it doesn't matter. They weren't there. I was there. I know what I saw. I'm interested in the theories. I want to know what other people think that they might can be. But I don't want it shooting down my throat either, you know? Yeah. I want to get... To, and I want everybody else to kind of do the same thing. But we will... We do have to answer... To frequently asked questions like these that we're talking about today. We can't just say, oh, we're not engaging with the skeptics. So, we've ever done that. No, before. no, I know. And we can't do that, can we? We have to say, yeah, we need to answer these questions. We need to know, is there enough food? Is there enough land? What would they do with the dead? You know, do they use the cave systems? Do they follow the rivers? Things like that. We need to be answering these questions. The map can answer some of them. Because we can see the roots now. Now there are so many accounts. We can kind of see the roots yeah. that maybe they're using. Um, but as it fills up, it, it might become its own worst enemy. We might no longer be able to track them. There's that many accounts on it, if you get what I mean. It and it's going to be harder to do that because even in my lifetime, the climate's changed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's going to also affect the movement, you yeah. would imagine, if, if we again, if we're dealing with flesh and blood. So there's a lot, there's so many elements yeah. to sort of get your, get your head around. And by the time you've got your head around it, or you think you have, something's changed and you've not, yeah. one of those elements has yeah. changed. Not yet, so, you know, there's all that, to, which we can get on to the next question from that is, and that was from Rob. Yeah. About the Irwell and, and rivers in general. So, what do you what what's your my thought on the Irwell is? It, obviously, it's this. This is one of the easy questions for me because I'm from this area and 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 I know how urban Salford is. The Irwell has always been there. We have always used that route. They have lots of Stone Age and pre Bronze Age finds, tool finds, finds of villages. We moved along that route to forage, and that 
Earl has not changed in millennia. We have built around it, but it's never changed. Right. It's underrun with lots and lots of cave systems and tunnel systems naturally there. And then we have the mine systems because Salford is built on the Pennine Fault. And as we, me and you were here today, we're on this peak. And you get to Pendleton, you're on the other peak. And it's the valley in between where they mine. And that's where Drinkwater Park is in the Irwell Valley. Okay. Right? So we're on two high-up peaks where most humans would have settled. And down in the valleys would where you would follow the river and the stream in the days to get your food. So to me, I when I very first started mapping, I decided that I'd use something that's called geological profiling, which means that you you you... you, you Put your things on a map and you see that if you can find any patterns between them, seasonal patterns, root patterns, anything like that, a burglar will only probably go within about half an hour of his own house and, and the police can track him by looking. And you tend to find that they live in the middle of that circle. That was the idea of the map. But it went further than that. Then I noticed that the accounts at Beulil and the accounts at Holcombe could be matched using the Irwell Valley River. So I thought, this is, I'm going back like 20 years now, I'm thinking, well, if I'm correct, there will be more accounts. There should be more accounts coming out of the Irwell Valley. And there are, and they did come out. And I think why is because it takes us to either Boris of Boland or the Pennines. And from there, you can go anywhere you want in the UK. And it's not just the river that's important, it's the estuary that it's connected to. Yeah. Because, A, we're going down the bloodline again, but you fought, you, you, you're increasing your areas of food, yeah? As you, human beings in the olden days, we would be on one area and we would, Derbyshire is fantastic, we would follow, follow the river down Derbyshire and then we would return as the food returned. And I think that's maybe what's happening on the Irwell. Yeah. That's the flesh and blood side. We take it to the woo side, right? Giant seat has always been an area of strange lights, Ghosts, UFOs, howls, screams, it's it's one of those areas that's attracted. People say that they can douse there and they get a strange reaction. So I'm asking my archaeology teacher about it and he said, do you know, Deborah, that when you stand on Giant Seat, you can see to the next barrow, which is here in Little Alton? And I said, no, I didn't know that. And he said, well, in the you know early days, we built barrows within shouting distance or within visual light distance of each other so that you could signal. And we settled on those hill forts. We call them forts. They weren't all forts, but that's the name that we use for them. Yeah. And what we think is that in some of them, there are early burials. And they now think Giant Seat has become that shape because it was a hill fort. And over time, it has eroded. We've had landslides. And all of the evidence, archaeological evidence, has slipped to the bottom of the dip. And they are going to start going through that evidence. There is going to be archaeological digs on Giant Seat. So we need to get in now before those digs start. Yeah. Because we won't be allowed on the area. Once once they start it, that'll be access will be gone. You know? And if they find anything of importance, we'll never get to dig on there again ever, you know? You yeah. get they come up with anything. And they are finding like wooden fishing spears and things like that. What we would have made. I mean yeah. a wooden tool, how old would a wooden tool be? With with no Plint on the end, nothing, just a simple wooden spear. I mean, we're going back millennia, aren't we? Yeah. But they have found bone arrows and tools and skinning tools and all the things that we use are there. It's, it's, I think it's just every town has a river like that and we don't realise it. 
Oxford is the same as the Lye Valley. And the accounts in Oxford are lining up with the Lye Valley. Near Epping Forest, we have the Lee Valley. And the accounts are lining up with the valley that runs through. It's a simple, natural corridor that runs through an inner city area. And at night, or at dusk, or at dawn, it's an easy motorway, isn't it? You just... I want to go from Oldham to Salford because there's something I want in Salford. So I'll move at night when nobody's around. I'll go as the crow flies. I'll follow the river and then I'll come back out. It might just be that, that they have always followed rivers like we do. Yeah. You know? I think, think you're right. It could just be that. Yeah. yeah, sometimes the simplest explanation is right. A long time ago, I wanted to work out. I knew that G- Ian Jennings was having an awful lot of um, interaction and I didn't dismiss him like other people did. And I thought, there's something to this. He's, he has a genuine passion. And it was him that explained to me that the megaliths are important, the old ancient sites in Britain, like um, Stonehenge and Salisbury Plain and places like that, are important. So I thought, I'll pull the, four, the first ten, do it sci- like scientifically, I'll pull the first ten accounts off and I'll see if I can match them to a megalithic count. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right, and I did. So I thought, right, well, I pulled 10 random ones. And they matched as well. <laughs> and they tend to match to Standing Stones, Ancient Springs, Cairns, Ancient Barrows and Megaliths and things like that. And I don't know if it's the energy or that they've always been there so that they are, well, we, you know, like a road map. Yeah, what lot maps. And Roman roads. Roman roads are important for some reason. Many of the old foraging routes, the Romans built the roads upon. So there is one that goes from Manchester Airport all the way to Lancaster, and it's an original road, and we use that in our foraging route. And then the Romans came along and they built that road on top of that. But that route has always been there, and it runs along Old Lily Edge. You know where Old Lily Edge is? And there are accounts that follow that route. So we're kind of looking down the ancient line and saying, are they following ancient road maps? Mental maps, uh, you know, I'm not sure, but they the, the ancient sites play in. So if you're an energy worker or you live near an ancient site, can you get out there and have a look for us? Have a look, see what you can find, see what the area feels like to you. Um, there are some people working on them at the moment, dousers. We need dousers. We need all the help. We can yeah, I know Alice mentioned that, that, that Alice is dousing the dragon lines, isn't he, so, yeah. at the moment, and that's... You know, they're matching up to the ley lines. And of course, a lot of this is sort of pseudoscience as well. Yeah. But we're not bothered about that. that no, you know, not. this what whole we, thing is. You know, yeah, what we're saying is this is where we've got to, and we can't carry on anymore, just this little group of us. We yeah. need to, it needs to go. It's more than me and you now, you know. People need another opinion other than mine. I might be wrong. I might be completely wrong. And somebody out there might have the answer. And they might be a future witness. Or they might be a future, you know, researcher. Yeah. It's We need other people now coming forward and saying, I don't think Debbie's right. 
I'm going to look at some other failures. I'm going to go down some other routes. And if I'm wrong, I I, I don't mind. I, I, you know, that's great. And that's this is probably a good time then to bring up uh, what we were saying before about about being wrong and this debating thing that mm. sometimes Facebook is can be a bit of a breeding ground for disagreements and mm. thing and, and because. Uh, uh, Chris Dawson, what the the Irish researcher mentioned it, and, and it's been mentioned many times about sometimes when you type a comment, it can be taken the wrong yeah, way. Yeah. But also, it's not just about what you type. Don't be afraid to be wrong. Or say, you know, I think I was wrong about that. Facebook kind of removes filters, normal, polite society filters. People feel that Facebook gives them, they, they can say what they want when they want regardless. But it also, as you say, you can't read into that text anything other than the actual text. So you don't get the connotation behind it or, yeah. you know, the real meaning behind it. And that happens to me a lot. I tend to be so busy that when I answer, you get a very short, quick answer. And I don't realise that you're not in my brain with me and you don't know what I mean. So a lot of the times people think, oh, she's a bit short with me there. It's just because I'm probably rushing on to something else. Um it's, it's, it, you, you're right in what you say. You get on Facebook and people are scared of saying, I think you're wrong. And you don't want to say it because you don't want to be ridiculed. But at the end of the day, we need that debate. We do need to be saying, no, I don't agree with that. I think the stick structures are absolutely nothing to do with Bigfoot. And I think you're wasting your time on them. Or you need somebody to say that, well, you know, the accounts are great, but I want to go out and wild camp and see what ground truth there is out there. I can't do all of that. No. You know? No. Other people will do and will get interested and will do that. And we need some sceptical debunking. Absolutely. Yeah? yeah? We we don't need to be putting shelters out there that are bushcraft because A, it makes us look silly, and B, it's really easy to check. You just go online and look for bushcraft shelters. And if it, what you found looks like a bushcraft shelter, just ignore it and move on to something else. If you can't debunk it by weather or kids, or scouts, or anything else, it's still not fact. No, and granted, it is a very difficult area to mm. research, isn't it? Because we're in the very early stages of Bigfoot research, so all we have to go on is what the Americans and the Russians have done, right? So you've got me, and you've got another couple of members, and we're trying to cram 50 years' worth of work as fast as we can into people to get them out there, right? And people think we know everything, and we don't. I know no more than other people sat out there now because they'll know things that I don't know, that I have no understanding of. Yeah. And it might be their skill that brings it forward. Oh, you know, that, that's my real hope. I know that we need to be, we're saying we, we want evidence, the sceptics want evidence from us, right? Well, how do we collect that evidence forensically so that we don't mess it up? How would you forensically collect that evidence? What would you do with that evidence when you collected it? We need that kind of expertise along. Yeah, and, it, and it will take time yeah, to, to, to get take. the resources together. It will. And some of those people will need a little bit more convincing. Mm-hmm. So the anecdotal evidence that we can find yeah. and the bits of evidence that we can find without that sort of training, it is going to take a mm-hmm. careful collection and collation yeah. to sort of twig someone... Uh, uh, to risk, perhaps. Dave Davis is a wonderful man. He is 
more than happy to help anybody with casting. And I have put um, a small thing out on the website and the blog about casting. But if you're really interested in prints and you want to know about casting, get in touch with me and I'll put you in touch with Dave because he works with that material. He knows what he's doing with his casting material. And he'll be able to talk you through the best and easiest way to take that cast and, and keep it. But it's like me, you might have to hold it for 20 years until you get an expert that's prepared to look at it. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I've been holding these sightings for how long? God, I can't even put it into years. <laughs> but if I hadn't upheld them, they would have got lost. So you have to start somewhere. Everybody has to start somewhere. And I, what I said is, like, these are all getting lost, so I'll keep them. Because at some point, somebody might be able to do something with them. Yeah. And we need to do that with all of the subjects. Well, you mentioned Prince there. Mm-hmm. So someone asked about Prince, so I'm just trying to find out who that was. I think that was Mark Anthony Rains, I think. Yeah, so in where's the best, I think what he, what he was asking was, where's the best place to find footprints in local woods? Mm. Uh, now, that's, a, that's an hard one, isn't it? It's an incredibly hard one, and I don't think that all researchers find footprints. A, we are not sure what this supposed footprint would look like, right? Yeah. We have the Americans' wonderful Bigfoot patty foot. That's great. But we're not in America. We're in England. So they might be, we might not be looking for that giant foot. We're on an island. We're on a very small island. And even in the animal world, you adapt to the environment that you grow in. And we are not getting reports of nine and ten foot giants. We are getting reports of human type. Bigger than a human, but, yeah, you know, yeah. within the range of a human. What if he's got a size 13 foot like my husband? You know, that's a big foot, but it's still a human looking foot. Yeah. You know, if we're going down the hominid line or the flesh and blood line, surely we'd be looking for a more human type foot, an ape type foot. We'd be looking for that. You know, we can't well, just... We can't rule it out. Exactly this. We can't go out and say, I am not an expert. I cannot say to you, that is a big footprint or that is not. What I'm going to ask you to do is, if you think it's worth casting, cast it and put it away. Yeah. You know, that's all we can ask you to do. And if you don't think it's worth casting, walk away from it like you did. And then in a few months think, why did I not cast that? (laughs) What do you think? Keep it dry. The first thing you want to do when you get out there like yours, you might not be able to get back in time to make that cast before the weather rains. So do what you can to cover it up. If it's near to a town, get a dustbin lid and cover it up with a dustbin lid. That's ideal. But you're not going to find that out there in the woods. Get whatever you can on it, even if you've got to build a structure to keep that rain off it and get back and cast it as quick as you can. And I will find you somebody to look at it. If I have to go to Dr Meldrum, I'll go to Dr Meldrum. We'll find somebody that can look at it, whether it be a podiatrist whether it be an orthopaedic surgeon, there will be somebody out there that can look at it and say, that is 100% human, or that is a little bit strange, yeah? And that's all we can hope for at the minute, you know? We've just got to... It, it, what I'm asking you to do is to think 10 years down the line. In 10 years' time, we will have people who know about forensics, they know about signs, they know about the glyphs, people doing audio. We haven't talked about audio yet. We need to be collecting audio. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a flesh and blood animal, we should be getting howls, growls, not just a sighting of a creature. There should be audio as well. If it's um, a spiritual creature, maybe not so, but if we're saying it's flesh and blood, 
we should be getting accounts of Powell's and mimicking, like a like um, a tribe would in the Amazon, where you have a like a tribe language where they mimic each other when they're hunting, yeah. so they don't give each other away. We should be getting accounts of Powell's and Growls, and we are. We are getting accounts of Powell's and Growls in the sighting areas, but we need some real good... Or people who are prepared to sit and listen to the audio, you know, we get tapes that are 14 hours long. Yeah, tell me about it, yeah. Mm. Film yourself, yeah. Yeah, and then we need people who are good at analysing it. Um, or people who say, no, actually, I know somebody that might be able to help you with that. You know, we need to network kind of in that kind of way. Because we're going to, we will be like America eventually. We will have this mass of evidence. Yeah. You know, it's well, just. I hope so. yeah. Well, I think we will. We're at the. But when I first started the sightings, I said, if I get 20, I'll be made up. And I got 20. And then I remember saying, well, if I can get it to 100, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. And I got it to 100. So they've not stopped. They're still coming in. I think the research will. But even if it did stop and it just panned out and there was nothing more I could do, I would say, there's nothing, you know, it stopped. The sightings have stopped. They're not coming in. Yeah. You know, we're not finding it. I'd be just be incredibly honest to say I have not had a sighting in six months. Nobody's phoned me, nobody's contacted me. Well, that's not what, what's happening. They, they're coming in, they came in yesterday, they came in this morning as we were talking. Someone made a comment there about, uh, from Mark's comment about the prints, finding prints, and I think that's, uh, it sort of goes without saying that we're not saying that you won't find prints in, you know, in the more uh, in the suburbs, if you like, yeah. or in, in in the local, you know, wood, the small woods. But I, I wonder. Of course, they're they're trying to avoid detection. So I assume, like you mentioned, the army thing, uh, the forces thing, where the where the the hiding any trace. I assume that they would probably relax in more remote areas, yeah, and yeah. that goes for vocals as well. I would. Yeah, like this area. That's where we'll get a print from. I'll. I'll well, yeah, I think uh, those sort of areas, having an understanding of the the terrain, mm-hmm. the food, and the rivers, yeah. will I, I think all that will get that those prints. I, I've said this year, and I, I think someone will get one this year. I think we'll, because I I'm, don't think the people will get because them. we've got these wild campers that we're never looking before, and now they are, and these are the guys that are going into these places. They're the ones that are saying to me, I don't know what the arches are. That's a bushcraft shelter. That's a bushcraft shelter. That's a fire guard. But what the arch is, I have no idea. Yeah. Right? So then I say to them, well, some of them are weather. The trees fell on arch and it's pinned it. These intricately alarmed ones, who or what is making them? Yeah. If you're a forager, tell us that you're the one making them and then we can disregard it and move on, yeah. can't we? You know? Exactly. But I've seen some incredibly intricate alarms, ground alarms and alarms um, that would make a noise if you moved it like in, into an area, especially up in the northeast. There's a lot of that goes on front and area, that kind of way, where you're seeing um, tactics, is how I would put it, actual tactics, not just the removal of prints, yeah, but diversionary tactics to move you from that area yeah. kind of thing, you know? Yeah. When we're talking about ground truth, the army don't just clear the ground. They clear the ground and then leave you, leave you a false trail. Right, I see. So you go the opposite way and you're not looking for the guy that's gone that way. That It was... Whenever I thought, ah, I get it, I understand it, I know what they're doing now. 
Yeah, in a way, they're not leaving us any clues whatsoever, and they are leaving us a few clues that'll. Oh, look at that wonderful structure. Yeah. I'll stand here and photograph that from every angle while we just disappear over the brow and you won't see us again. I think there's a bit of that going on. Yeah, and going back to Ben Walgate's question about uh, you know sightings, why we're not seeing them and stuff like that. You've said it before. Who actually is going off the path? Other than the wild campers, where if you look at the population of people out and about... Yeah. Very small numbers of wild campers actually going out who are not looking yeah, exactly. for that. Nobody goes off the path, really, and no one's travelling into these deep, remote, 30-square-mile woods, no. you know, in Scotland and, and Northumberland. No. no one's doing that. We're lucky that we've got people living in those areas that are prepared to report, but that's taken 15, 20 years to build that trust up. But them actually to trust me and tell me what's going on. It's not just something they're going to phone up and give Absolutely. you overnight, you <laughs> know? And I've seen the photographs and I wish that I could share them with everybody. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen photographs as well. You know, and they it would put an end to all of this. I've seen signs where they've clearly left a sign that don't go that side of the barn because that's where the windows of the... Everybody can see you go that side. That's where the food is. Little intricate things like that. By, but that's after watching for 20 years, you know? Yeah. It's not ever going to be easy. It's not an easy task what we've got. And you've kind of got to be a bit passionate about it. Or you've got to have, you know, you've got to, for me, prove it to myself what I saw. But there's always a chance as well, isn't there? There's always that chance, even though we, we of a patty or, a, yeah. or finding a trail of footprints, there's always that what off chance that you exactly. might be in the right place at the right time. I mean, it, and it can happen to anybody. None of these sightings were set up or arranged. They were all people out doing what they do when they saw it, right, or they encountered it, or they came across the structure or they found the print. That is going to happen. And that, like, like I say, future witnesses. There will be future witnesses. There will be future footprints found. Um, and... The hardest thing for me is I'm so middle... I have to be so middle of the road that so I can get everything across. If I found a, um, a footprint, I'd cast it, whether I thought it was human or not, yeah. I'd, just to be on the safe side. Yeah, yeah just, just, just to be on the safe side, I would. Um, and I'd look for other things. Are there any foodstuffs in that area? Are there, we need to be le- learning these resources. Like a simple thing like willow, which is nothing to anybody else, is aspirin. It, it, it's a painkiller. You can use it to build with. It has so many resources. What if they're only in that wood for that one week because they want that willow because it's the right time to get it? And then you're not going to see them again until next year. Point, yeah. Watching that one area for 12 months might give us an idea of when they're around. We might not be finding prints August to March, but we might be in with a better chance of finding them, you know, May to August kind of thing. That might be there. We can concentrate our time on that. The little woods, uh, supermarkets, drugstores, chemists, the big areas where you want to go, I would imagine, them that, not forever homes, but the safe places, the places where they can go and be themselves and just... And I think also tying those, these, we, I'm assuming deepish woodland, mm-hmm. but I would also assume there is some sort of cave system up there as well. Oh, yeah, massive one. So a place, I, get, I mentioned in my last blog about geology, and the terrain uh, 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 they're two different things actually so you've got your, your geology so what's going on yeah. with the land but you've also got what's below what's the plants 
what, what what's the the uh, the forests because again we're going back to the american and russian research they're using the forests obviously yeah. because of the cover and because of the materials mm-hmm. but at the same time can they through all weathers survive in that in that wood yeah. What about, for example, if they are flashing blood, what about the birthing and mating exactly. seasons? Are they going to use caves like we used to do? It makes sense. They're all These are all assumptions, but mm. putting yourself in those positions where all those elements, food, shelter, woodland, uh, rivers, water, natural springs, energy. Yeah. Although, I mean, the, all... the difficult thing about Britain is it's actually... We're, we're under run with cabins, you know? And there's a lot of those elements in a lot of places. So it's not as if finding those places is, is difficult, mm. particularly, like, like you mentioned, the megalithic sites. Yeah. There's quite a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, even the, the smaller ones. Yeah, get, uh, you know, yeah. So tying, trying to... Maybe we're actually in a better position than we think we are. Exactly. It's a smaller area to search. Yeah. But I know people have this, there's not enough land. There is not enough land in the UK. That works in our favour as well as against us. Because we don't have to go out for seven weeks to get into the wild. Yeah, true. You know, we can drive for an hour and a half. And we don't have to do the, have the temperatures of minus 20 and, and, and all that. We, for people complain about the weather, we have a pretty ambient, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, it goes along like this. Yeah. yeah. And yes, I do think that they would use the cave systems. My personal, because I set the sightings, is because we only see the males. 99% of those accounts are large males and genitalia is mentioned. It's very rare where you get an account where there's more than one. And as Lorraine raised, they're not born at 45. There must be babies and toddlers and teenagers, all those stages of life that we go through, that they are similar. They must, they've got to do the same thing if they're flesh and blood. They'd have to be a safe place. Yeah. for those females and males. I have spoken to many Americans that say that it's a matriarchal society. The, the female chooses when to mate and when to have her children. And the males are not really needed, to be honest, other than for the <laughs> mating. And we tend to see, as we, as if I'm a Sasquatch, they see to their children and the males go up and do male things. Uh, that's the American take on it. For me, I looked at early and early Stone Age man and what we did. And we did, uh, when males came into facility around about 13 or 14, they would leave and go and join another clan to keep the DNA fresh. And our um, daughters would enhance the male in. And that brings new blood in and new skill sets and things like that. The other thing was, there was was no um, male-female. It didn't work like that. What you were good at was what you did. So if you were good at killing a deer and you were a girl, that was the job you got. Yeah. If you were good at nursing and you were a male, that was the job you got. There was no gender issues or anything like that. It was all about the clan and the clan as a one. It was only when we stopped and settled to farm that me, we and I came into it. Before that, and you can ask any anthropologist out there, it was a clan. What works for the clan? Yeah. You know, what, what food have we got for the clan? And the males, I think... Only because there are accounts of them using a leapfrogging system like the army uses where one goes first and everybody stays still and he waits and then the next one goes and they wait. And it's a kind of system that you use so that you can hear if anyone's following you behind or anybody's coming up front. 
There's also research been done into the sunlight effect that where in when we fought battles a long time ago, you want the sun to be in your enemy's eyes. So you would build on your barrow on a hill that gave you that so that you could see quite easily, but nobody, everybody else was blinded yeah, by the sun. Strategic advantage. advantage, that's the word I'm looking for. We did all that primarily. It was within us, primarily. If they're still living, primarily, it is within them to do that. They are probably using all of those tricks on us. And we have no idea about it, you know? (laughs) Most people, when they tell you they've been attacked, and you ask them why they've been attacked, they will say, it growled at me or it threw something at me. That's not an attack. That's a diversionary tactic. That is, get out of my area. And we get terrified and we run. That's all they need to do to move us off, you know? So 99% of some of the paranormal accounts where they see a tall, dark, running figure, footsteps running in the wood, things being thrown at them. Is that a ghost? Or could it be? Maybe it is. Might be a wild man. That's why I put it on the map and put it on with a question mark. Because the witness said ghost. But I see some hints that maybe I've got 12 accounts in that area and this person's reporting exactly the same set of habits but they think it's a ghost and it's going on as a ghost so there's a lot of that goes on with the map I have to keep it pure for how many reports get missed that goes to the paranormal or people just don't report like we were saying before and it goes to show that the accounts are going in there regardless of what they're saying yeah it is not You're not cherry-picking the corporeal flesh and blood account. I cannot do that. That would be wrong of me to do that, right? It would be wrong of me to say, oh, that's not going on my map. It does not fit the mould. Because I can become then become the same as everybody else. Yeah. There is no mould and you can't fit it. So you've got to take everything that comes in. Some of it will be wrong. Some of it may be hoaxed. I don't know. I am not. I can't see into a witness's head. So I accept them in the way that they accept me. And I put it down onto the map in their words, in what they, the icon is of their choosing, not of mine, you know? And that's what I've always done. But there are some accounts on there where I think, oh, I think that might be more paranormal than wild man. But that's not for me to choose, you know? It's not. It'll, over the years, as it was, the witness might change their opinion on what it is. You know? And somebody reading it might change their opinion on what it is. That's the idea, isn't it? Yeah. To let people decide for themselves. For themselves, that's it. Yeah, that's okay. the number one. We're, we're, we're just... The simple truth is, and this is where the ego comes into it, we're not prepared against the skill sets that they've got. It's as simple as that. We're, we're just not... Um, we're not. But if we can get that primal and we can start thinking like that primal person, then we might do. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I never, somewhat, I, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Utah Sasquatch that brought up. It's not, you're not just dealing with them, them hearing you come in your car. You're not dealing with any, just that. You're also dealing with the fact that they know how certain animals behave yeah. when a human's around. Yeah. So all they're waiting to hear is a sign from a, a, any of the animals in the wood. Crow. The crows, you, every time yeah. you go out, the crow gives you the way. The minute you get on the field or in the wood, that bloody crow. <laughs> I watched a documentary, not last month, the month before, and it was um, it was showing how crows have a genetic memory, not an actual memory. They only live for four or five years. But So they go to um, Stanford University in America, 
And a lot of crows on the campus. And everybody's walking about. There's probably about 100, 200 people walking about. Not a problem. One guy slips on a caveman mask. And as he slips it on, they just the alarms that come out. They pick this one face out of an entire crowd that looks like a caveman. And they set off this alarm. And all of the crows across the district sent this alarm out. And they start dive-bombing him. So they do this test consistently and they start taking it to other universities. And every time they put on the troglodyte mask, the, the birds reacted. And they said, they can't have ever seen a troglodyte, but it must be a genetic memory that's imprinted. It, they could pick that one base out of an entire crowd and that's a bird. So what would a wild person be able to do or a wild human be able to do? It's genetically within them that that is a threat. We're just underestimating them entirely. Massively. And Massively. even though we're trying not to, we're still doing it. You can meet a person and instantly think, no, 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 don't want nothing to do with you. And it's not something they've done or said. It's your primal brain picking up on something think. that you don't understand that says to you in your gut, no, no, this is a wrong and you know. Even areas, you can walk into an area and think, no, no, you know, I'm not doing it. I'm going the other way. That's your primal brain. Picking up on something that you're not, maybe a smell, maybe a scent, maybe your hair on your Definitely. skin. Definitely. Chris doesn't have one. <laughs> He'll go in anywhere. Have you I never had a, gone in an area and thought, oh, no? No, because me, this is the thing that I'm, I'm searching for. This is why I'm, I want to get out to these. This is why I'm going to see John Chick. Yeah. Because he's, John, John said, come here and, you, and I will show you, you know, don't make my place public. You know, but I'll show you where it is, and then it's up to you. You know, I know that if it from John's experiences, if there's a boundary, then I'm not going to go beyond the boundary, and I won't have to to have that experience. Yeah. I'll just have to be in the vicinity. Yeah, you will. That, that's all. You, that's all you need to do. John Chick is a fantastic researcher. Fant- he knows more about signs. If you want to know about signs, speak to John Chick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and, and and he will he will converse with you as well. Yeah. I mean, John's told me a lot. He said, you know, there's a lot that I won't say that he said as well. Mm. Because he, it's his, it's his research and his areas is similar yeah. to Stu. That's his area, and yeah. you know it's none of it my business. You're twenty. I think it's how do I explain it? It's really hard to remember what it's like to be a new researcher, and even I fall into that trap where you're so used to doing it yourself, it becomes second nature. So you tend to find that you. You forget what it was like to be new. You forget you made mistakes and you forget... And me and John butt heads a lot over things like that. But there will always be a connection because he, I was the one that he came out to and I was there with him and we built a team together and we learnt so much together. And eventually, I think, we, we probably will end up, but we're on different journeys at the minute. Yeah, and, it, and it's to me, I've got to step back and let him do his thing because I can't... I, we're looking for different things, and there's no point in us butting heads about it, you know. No. You know and that's natural kind of to be to be on yeah. on different paths as well. But he the, he knows his stuff. He knows how to get in there. He knows the, the signs and the the glyphs that he knows that he's memorised, and the work that they put into him. And him and Karen Charlton on the Binker language leaves me to shame. They, they they've done so much work on that. If anybody's interested in signs, that's where they should be asking John Chick. He knows his glyphs 
like the back of his hand, like and Karen Charlton just she's done an amazing amount of work on that. But John is very good at finding an area. He can get you into an area where you, you know he knows all the signs that you need to look for. John, yeah. he'll get you there. He'll get you in there. But I mean, the front and lads, the other, the, there's a lot in the northeast, isn't there? That they're, they're yeah. doing their yeah. bit up there. Uh, Neil Young is another one that, exactly. that's, that yeah. knows his stuff, uh, and it's good that everybody is, is coming together and, and sort of putting the getting the reds together and sharing information because they don't have to. No, we don't. We don't yeah. have to, do we? We're all kind of at different stages as well in our research. Um, Neil's far more advanced on the actual outdoor research yeah. than, than I will ever be. Um, I think with me, it's more the witnesses and the sightings and things like that. But Neil does a bit of that as well. He still he, he takes sighting accounts and he'll send some to me and I send some to him if they're in his area. Um, I'm seeing a lot of networking, a lot of people that have been kind of out on their own for a long time, doing their own thing, kind of coming together. We're getting a bit of a community to come together. I think the sceptics have a little bit to do with that because we're all answering the same questions yeah. over and over, you see. So we're like, well, actually, we tend to be all answering these questions. Let's sit together and answer them as a whole. But they've all got these amazing skill sets, you know, like you and, you, and your camera work. I couldn't do that. I'd be wasted on me. There'd be no point in me even trying. But that's a skill set that you can take forward. With John, it's his tracking. He knows his outdoor bushcraft and he's tracking and he knows what's moving through an area when. And that's a very valuable reese. People say about putting cameras out. It's no point putting a camera out. You won't get a picture of him. It's not about getting a picture of them. It's about seeing what's moving through your area, right? And if you're getting structure and you've got a camera out and you get sign then you and you see a human on your camera, you yeah. know it's a human in your area. If you're seeing deer and boar and rabbits moving through, you know this protein in that area. So, yeah, get your cameras out there. Put your GoPros out there. Well, there's also a new camera John's mentioned to me that doesn't use... It's a daytime camera, and they work on timers, but they they think that they're undetectable. Right. It's not as much... Uh... And Pond is a good guy for information yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he knows of some non-emit. There are non-emit cameras. Yeah. They, um there are lots of guys that we can put people in touch with, aren't they, that have got these skill sets that are, like, really interested in... Um, cameras and that won't work for me. I, I'm going down the spiritual route, but it will work for other people. So, last question. We'll go... We'll, someone mentioned migration, and uh, obviously that ties into food, mm-hmm. and it also ties into uh, food on the coast, which is not something I hear a lot about, actually, because I don't know whether we've got any researchers on the coast. I'm going to pull my map up just so I can show you and the people on the camera. It's easy for me to show you. Um, what I'm finding is a lot of the accounts, especially in the northeast of England, are running along the coast. And I think it might be, this is only me guessing, it might be because you've got the Wolds, like the Yorkshire Dales and the Wolds. Yeah. And it, the Cleed and Geet, we'll use that as an example. We'll pull the Cleed and Geet account up because that's kind of in a city, but it's in uh, it's in the northeast. And we'll have a look at that. It might make it easy for it. I can get that up on the uh, in the edit yeah. seat. So, so uh, when I work on my map, there's that many accounts on there now. I can't no longer do it anymore. But on the northeast coast, round about Cleedon, the accounts are kind of between the woods... And the coast. So all the way down from where Paul Sinclair's 
looking at the Flixton Werewolf and places yeah. like that. Yeah. You've got the Beast of Vast and Drain, is it? The old stinker. All along that bit of the coast, Chapel Leap Earth, the accounts seem to be between the woods. So you've got like Bollum here and then you've got the coast here and the accounts are kind of in the middle. Well, that makes sense to me because that doubles or trebles your food sources. Yeah. Hmm? And we are either on the coast or in our little houses. Lots of those coastal regions, when you look, are either connected by military defence land or nature reserves. So you'll have, like, your coast, and then you've got your nature reserve behind it. And then behind that nature reserve, the river's coming off the estuary, and it's flowing in, and they follow, I think, follow that in. So what I've started doing is, when I get a sighting now, I put the sighting on the map, and I find a little brook, and I follow the little brook to the stream, and I follow that to the river, and that river will end me out to sea. And I know Britain is covered with water sources, and that might just be coincidence. Yeah. But I think that they are following. My first, Deborah Hatswell's personal opinion is that they are following the rivers from the coast to the woods in a migrational way for food. I think when you go to Scotland, go when the salmon runs on. Because if I was a hominid out there and wanted food, I'd be wherever the salmon were running. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. That's how my brain just kind of works on that logical where would I find food? Where would I find water on the coast? Every single piece of seaweed in the UK is edible. I'm not saying it tastes nice, but it's nutritious and it has the minerals that you need. We ate it once and people still do eat still, it to yeah. this day. Yeah. yeah, There are a massive amount of protein sources and there's also salt, something we completely forget about. You can't get salt out of the woods or out of the fields. So we need salt as a human being. It generally comes within our food, yeah? But all humans, even apes, have been seen washing their food within salt water because it changes the taste. The Barbary apes take sweet potatoes down to the sea and soak them in the water and then eat them because it tastes nicer. And over time, they have developed that that's how it works for them. So that's what they do, you know? And I think maybe there's a... Might there'll be times of drought, there will be times of no food, times when you've gone three or four days. The amateurs and tribes do, they know every trick in the book for catching food, and they don't catch something every day. So, there will be days of fast where you get nothing, where you're dead to the coast. I know that they found in the peak districts, they found seashells where we vet cockles and things up in the peak district, so many miles away from the coast, but we did that as an as a year, early human. Why would they not be doing that? Out to the coast, get what you need, come back in, pick up some resources on the way, and then settle down for till your food's run out, and then you do the same thing again. It's a massive guess, I know. But it's this island, when we look at Ireland here, all of the accounts are on the coast, and they follow the coast round. Ireland's a tiny little place. There's nothing in the interior. And when I looked, most of the interior of Ireland is flat. And fields so there's not much trees there's no dense cover there's nothing but around the coast there is mm-hmm. so maybe it's that could be what what other reasons could it be that the uh, there's more people maybe along the coast and that's why they're seeing them it's me thought that maybe that's where we are can it chase i think there are so many signs that cannot chase because there are so many people that cannot chase they're out weekend all the time yeah that's, yeah? that's the point yeah i suppose 
And then in the Cairngorms, that's a hot spot. Somebody asked us about hot spots, hot didn't spots, they? Yeah. The Cairngorms, Ben McDew, that is a hot spot. And those accounts have been coming in since the 1600s, 1700s. I found one the other day from the 700s talking about an area in Donald D um, with a satirist, which were named as, um, this is when the Gauls came to, to conquer Britain, that the satirists, which were um, man monkeys, they were called, that stole fish from the nets. And the only thing they were scared of was fire. And human females were not allowed out on their own because of them, because they would steal human females. This is something that's actually been written down in a in, in a book. I think it was you that sent it to me, wasn't it? I got it, I got it off about seven people. Everybody <coughs> sent it to me at the similar time. Satris is a word I've never heard before, so I was incredibly excited about that. When I looked at the area, for all it is in a Scotland, you can trace those Cairngorms counts all the way out to the coast past the tar- the Tarpery ones and the Bankery ones, and they go out to the coast. Right. Exactly the same as on the northeast. If you're in an area and you're thinking, well, she's having us on, she's just, you know, go and have a look for yourself. Go and see how far away you are from the coast. And if you live in the middle of the country like Tamworth, I bet you can get there by the following a river or a stream that runs out to the sea. Well, admit, again, it's, it's, a, it's the simple explanation that, that makes sense for me anyway. Like it, mm. it goes without saying that, again, if what go flesh and blood, that that is what they would do. Mm. I mean, obviously, as time goes by, there's going to be obstructions, but they'll find a way around it. Yeah, yeah. There's always going to be um, a new town being built or a new area being built. Well, they would skirt it. Common sense would tell me that they would skirt it. And like you say, if they can't skate it, maybe they go under then. Maybe, you know, they find a way. If they're not flesh and blood, well, it doesn't really matter to them. They can come and go as they please. We, I always wondered that it, we wouldn't see migration patterns if they were purely of an energy, of just a spirit energy. There must yeah. be some... Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, they've got, we've got... Maybe they both. Maybe they can do both. I don't know. I haven't got the answers for people, but... There are migratory patterns. There are flesh and blood patterns where we can see that they're following certain routes or that there are certain things in an area that... Why the railway lines? Why do railway lines come into it? They shouldn't come into it at all, but they do. They seem to use those embankments or the motorway embankments in the same way that animals do, like an almost green corridor. To, to skirt areas. But I think that's just clever. It's incredibly clever because you, you can't... We've been sat next to a, a railway embankment all day without you realising it. Anything could have walked up and down that and it's only there at the back window. You're just not something places we'd look at. It's not really... And also, I was on the disused... I was looking for trying to link disused railways and there were a lot of those and even the modern railway are built on ancient roads anyway. Yes, yeah. So they're still ancient... You know, That's routes. what I was thinking. They're still the same travel routes, aren't they? The the line here will run to Boland, or it will take you to the south part of the coast. So you could quite easily follow this line from Beulil if you didn't want to use the Irwell route and decide whether you want to go to the coast or whether you want to go to the forest of Boland. Darren and um, Daniela, uh, a lady got in touch with me and said that she'd seen an upturned tree, but it was near Lancaster University, so there would no point in them going out there and having a look. But they did go out there and have a look and they realised that where these signs, where the tree was and these signs were all near the food bins at 
Lancaster University. So we said, well, could they get from Boland to Lancaster University at night? And we checked the route. It was quite easy to do. And you would have had to use the motorway at some point. You would have had to have used one of the embankments. The embankment was like that. That was the same weekend I get a telephone call from a lady who used two cars of women coming back from the venue. They see an eight-foot-tall, all one colour, on the M62, running along a very steep embankment like that, to the point where the woman in this car bones the woman in the front and said, did you see that? And she was like, yeah, and they just called it the running man. Eight people in those two cars saw it. I mean, we're only going back to February. We're only yeah, on yeah. March yeah, now. Yeah, I remember that. I remember reading it. That's a similar kind of situation where was it using that route at night because it's late and it's dark and you can't make out and it's just a one shot it'll get you where you need to go they were coming from roundabout nottingham up to manchester so they you know they've hit quite a few motorways and she said it was as we got up this end she said i saw it out of the corner of my eye and it made you know made me do a double take but by the time she'd done the double take the girls in the back were saying can you see him can you see him and they're all turning around in the car then you know so like kind of keep a grip with them and then when they spoke about it afterwards they all told me the same description each one of them said it was incredibly big incredibly tall it was running really fast but it was all one color there was no clothing or anything that stood out it was just this one solid color so i'm thinking well to me i would say that that's something using the railway lines to get around at night but i'm incredibly biased other people would say that's a ghost you've seen a yeah, ghost yeah. But what they were describing was a muscular man that went up and just ran. She said the speed of him was unbelievable. And, like, they couldn't believe that's kind of what caught their attention was A, the size, and B, the speed. And there are so many accounts like that for people driving cars where they may something's run out in front of the car, like in Delawitch where it's two wild men, the deer comes out first and then the wild men come out. There are so many accounts where people are driving along the road and something's running at the side of the car in the peripheral vision yeah. or crosses the road. There are mil- not millions, but there are so many accounts like that in the UK. It's unreal. You can take you to each town and there will be a road crossing account, uh, which matches up with Russia, doesn't it? It matches up with America. And we have got some account sizes now that are coming in from across Europe. So we've got, I've had one from Germany, one from Finland, um, Holland one of the Baltic states, Iger's collecting them as well and, and logging them and I'm connecting them there and same thing, crossing between one forest and another, running either parallel to the car or right in front of the car as if they kind of have no regard for you whatsoever. They seem to do the same thing in America. It's not, they're just crossing the road because they need to. We don't care, really care about the cars that are coming up. But it's us humans that have a problem with kind of seeing them. Yeah, yeah. In, and also, the, perhaps they've got younger ones with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, that's an idea, isn't it? We, we, what we're seeing is that 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 brings me to that makes me think of Sherwood. The lady driving home from Sherwood. She's driving home at night. Is it Chuck? Not Chuckner, Chuckler. She's driving home through using the road that runs through Sherwood Forest, and she sees to the corner of her eye about ten to five at night what she described as a father and son. An incredibly large male Neanderthal caveman-looking thing with male genitalia, covered in hair from head to foot, and a smaller individual at the side of him. And she said she, she thinks what's happened is as she's been driving, they were getting ready to cross the road, and they've seen her and they've backed off back into the trees. Martin Mir again. 
somebody driving down from Martin May back to Manchester, they see a dark figure that looks like it's about to step out into the road and it steps back into the woodland. I can do the same in Kent, similar one in Kent. You know, you just keep going. It's a continuous, same description, same kind of habit, same kind of circumstance behind it. People track the, the dog ones. I'm walking my dog and my dog won't go into an area. Yeah. I'm walking my dog my dog. Patterns. There are patterns forming consistently and I can map those patterns, but everybody else needs to be, get, find your area of expertise and run with it because, you know, it, these, you see how many accounts are on there. That's just, for now, they're going to keep coming. You know, there's going to be years to come where people are still making reports. Be said, we don't get reports from the bushcrafters, but we do, don't we? And we're going to get more. Yeah, we got. We don't get reports from gate. You would be getting reports from gamekeepers. Well, we do. I mean, you know, <laughs> contact with quite a few gamekeepers. Um, I cut a lot of the shooting estates in Scotland. I'm getting good comeback off. Mm, interesting. Because mm? they're full of food, aren't they? You know, yeah. food all year round, and they're, they're encouraging this growth of birds because they want the shooters come to come in you know there's a lot yeah there's a lot of fences being pulled down across scotland i can tell you leftovers or the dmv or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.